for the Bible tells me so. Um, and it's true, but is, how do we know the Bible's true? Um, I'm not going to preach that this morning because I really want to uh, uh, do it justice, but do you know that we can absolutely, there's so much evidence to the Bible being true that we can be, have faith that it's not just some guy's words who decided to, to write something willy-nilly. Um, and so we can be confident in the scriptures. And um, anyway, so our faith is secure. Our faith is secure. But we need to be diligent as believers to be able to um, give a reason for our hope. And as we become, as we're more and more into a technological society, a society where uh, information is available, not always facts, um, but uh, information is available, it's, it becomes more and more important for us as believers, I believe, to be able to defend our faith logically and um, be able to help people see that we do have the truth. And we have a lot to combat because, as Jesse was talking about, uh, people have these little little phones. Google is right at everyone's uh, command, and there's websites um, and videos out there that are teaching people a lot of errors. So, so much more that we need to be able to stand firm and be able to teach people what the truth is. Uh, you know, I mean, you, you, you read an article and you think it's fact. Um, we could go and I could find you an article uh, and a book that was written and videos that were written that absolutely unequivocally declare that God does not exist. And people will just take that statement and go, okay, so therefore somebody else did the work, God doesn't exist. And so we need to, I think, um, be informed, be educated, and be assured. And so I want to help to make sure that that's happening. And there's a lot of resources that you can do that with yourself. Stand to Reason, I think it's str.org or standtoreason.org, is got a lot of resources, videos and things, just to help bolster our faith and actually be able to um, combat somebody when they come up with some uh, accusations against the Bible. As we are in the book of Ephesians today, and, and I do want to cover some, some ground here this morning. It was a, it was a great conference for sure. Whew. We're in, um, we're going to be in chapter 5, but we're going to do, do, do some jumping around a little bit. Heavenly Father, as we spend some time here in Ephesians again this morning, I pray that you would touch our hearts, that you would open up our minds, that you would challenge us and encourage us. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you brought the word to us to teach us, to guide us. God, and this morning I pray that each of us would uh, feel closer to you, would be uh, encouraged, we would be challenged, Father, to live a life that would give you glory and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, and of course, you know, last week a lot of us guys were gone. We were on a men's retreat. And the men's retreat was great. Who went on the men's retreat? Are there any guys? So we got some guys. Woo! It was a great time in, uh, in, at Panguitch Lake, Utah. And we saw some great videos. We were encouraged um, as men to uh, fight the right fights. Is the video series that we went through. 
And, and that was really encouraging, and I think it goes right along with this morning's message. It didn't hurt last week. We had a lot of fun watching the videos, but we also had a lot of fun fishing. We caught, okay, there was uh, eight of us. Uh, we went uh, fishing both days, eighth first day, sixth the second day. Uh, we caught, uh, I believe it was 34 rainbow trout the first day, threw a whole bunch of cutthroats back. Second day, the sixth was caught 18 more in just a few hours, and, and a whole bunch of other cutthroats we threw back. So we had great fishing, and uh, Mickey and James, uh, they were our, our, our guides and teachers on how to catch these suckers. And it was, it was great. I got fish. In fact, Mickey, I got to get with you on how to re-thaw these fish and recook them. Um, we, we ate trout one night, and it was awesome, awesome. Big Bear Lakes trout I don't think taste quite this good. Um, anyway, so, so that, was, that was a really good time. So this is kind of fun. We had last week had a men's retreat. This week we had a youth retreat. Next weekend I'm going to be gone speaking at a family camp at Tombstone, Arizona. And so I was asked of some former members of Christian Center um, are out at a church, and, and they asked me to come and preach to their church. And so I'm going to be in Tombstone, Arizona, uh, speaking at a family camp there. So I guess I'm just full of retreats and camps, and, uh, but, uh, you know, all of them I don't get any rest at. So, you know, anyways, um, amen. So uh, next week, so I, I'm saying this now, but, but um, we're going to take a picture of everyone who's here next week just to make sure you come. Last week, those, <laughs> those of you who missed, and uh, you, know, I, you know me, I'm just kind of being, being fun and, and teasing a little bit. Those of you who missed, Tony Severo missed out. Um, he is a great preacher. He's a great man of God. He is coming back next week. So he is, so, so you get an opportunity to see him. Now, uh, you know, Mick, we, we, you know, you've been church and pastor, and, and um, there, there's a saying, you know, while the pastor's away, the mice shall play. And attendance tends to drop a lot when the pastor is out of the pulpit. And, um, and I'm like, I don't know about that. So the week before last, we had 118 people in service, which is awesome. Our numbers are just growing, and God is doing some great stuff. Last week, there were 60 people in service. So it must be true. It was really funny. So next week, let's let's uh, all come out and hear Tony. It's going to be a great time. He's he's just a, a good man and a great man of God. He's got a great story, and he's going to come and preach to us this morning. What I want to talk to you about primarily is this verse in in Ephesians chapter five, verse fifteen. But I'm going to be all over the place because everything we've been talking about Ephesians, even this conference, uh, even what we learned at the men's thing, they all come together right here in this one verse. And it says this, Ephesians 5.15 says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, <clears throat> redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and then it goes on. We'll hit some of the other verses in a moment. But this big part is walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. I'm going to start at the end of that second verse there. The days are evil. Do I need to even expound on that? The days are evil. Evil is rampant. Um, uh, wickedness. Um, the, the Bible says in the end day, in the end times, that people will call good evil and evil good. And that is happening absolutely in our society. 
things, uh, morality, much morality is going out. But, but what's crazy is not even just morality is going out, but wisdom is also being lost. Uh, some of the laws that are being passed are, are not just um, dangerous. They're not just, in my opinion, immoral. They're absolutely idiotic. And, and, and some things are funny idiotic as that we, we care about straws so much that we're going to fine waitresses, is it 1000 or $10,000, if they give out a straw without asking first if they can do that. At the same time in this state, they have lessened the crime for somebody who, who has AIDS, HIV, who willingly, knowingly gives it to somebody else, used to be a felony. If you know you have AIDS and you give it to somebody knowingly without letting them know that, hey, this is what's happening, it used to be a felony. Well, they, the, the government thinks it's wise to charge a waitress $1,000 if she gives you a straw and turn a felony into a misdemeanor. So now if you have AIDS, you can give it to somebody without them knowing and kill them for a misdemeanor. Well, we are living in wonderful times. We're living in times that, that the government... Uh, who is supposed to be protecting a class of broken people, foster children. Now, I, I don't want to go, I'm going to try to do this really quick. Foster children um, have been typically abused. They've come out of bad situations. They have a lot of uh, emotional issues. They're dealing with psychological problems, many of them. Many foster kids can't make good decisions because of the places they're at. So the government thinks it's a good idea that, that um, we should give them puberty blocking drugs in case they're confused about their gender. So they passed a law that says that any foster child, if they are confused about their gender, um, can obtain uh, puberty blocking drugs. But not only that, as a foster parent, you cannot dissuade them. You cannot try to love them enough to say, listen, God created you as you are and you don't need this. This is going to hurts your life in the long run. Foster parents, it's illegal to tell these broken kids that basically getting a sex change at 11 years old is a good thing. We're living in crazy, crazy times. We're, we're living in times that people believe crazy things. If, 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 this, is, if this is you, uh, we can talk about this afterwards. Um, it is becoming more and more popular to believe that the earth is flat. Okay, there are people in the in, all over this community and all over the world who believe the world is flat now. Back to the flat Earth people. Be, and, but see, but see, this information is coming more and more popular on the internet, and there's there's groups that believe this, and so they're teaching it, and they're coming up with their interesting teaching and facts. But here's the thing: people are believing it because they're reading it. They're watching the video, and you know that if you watched it on, on, on the Internet, that it must be true. Though, even though Abraham Lincoln said, don't believe everything you read on the Internet. Um, I read that on the Internet, so I know that's true, too. So, so people are believing things that the average person in here said, well, that's just, that just is ludicrous. How can they believe it? One of the theories, just for fun, about the flat earth theory. Now, now all, already some of you are going, wait a second, flat earth, how does that work that I can get into a plane, 
fly east and come back to the same spot that I started and I never changed my direction. I have a hard pro time. Yeah, I'm trying to figure that out too with the flat earth, but um, we'll figure that one out. Here's one of the theories in the flat earth people. Now this might not be common. It's called the Pac-Man effect. I am not kidding. I, I wish I was. The Pac-Man effect goes like this. You take off on a plane and you head east and when you reach the end of the flat earth, you disappear like Pac-Man off of the screen and you appear at the other side of the screen and then you can land. Okay, I am not kidding. Now, I'm standing here realizing that that could be somebody in here and we can have a wonderful conversation about it later. But, but the point is, we're reading information, we're watching a video where this information is right there and we go, oh, wow, it must be true. Wisdom is going out. Thought processes are not as strong as they used to be. But Christians should not be part of that group. Christians should be leading the way. Um, we should be thoughtful. We should be bright. And I want to encourage all of us to bolster up our faith and, and to say, you know, yes, I believe Jesus. This is what he's done in my life. He's done these things, and, and, and that's enough for me. Well, I, that is wonderful, but here's the problem. If you've ever talked to one of our LDS friends, um, a, a Mormon friend, then, then one of the things you found out is that they also have, ex have had an experience with God, and they've read their books, and they have had a burning in their bosom, as they call it, and they also know that what they read is true. If you talk to somebody from Islam, they will say they had their own epiphany, and they have felt the same thing in their heart, so therefore they know that what they believe is true. So I want to encourage us Christians that we step up our game and say, yes, these are the miracles that God has done in my life, and you can't refute those because God has done them. But let me also tell you that the Word of God backs these things up, and that we did not check our brains at the door as Christians. We can actually use wisdom. Did you know a, a, a large a portion of the of the scientists from the past, Pascal and Newton and Gamaliel, some of these people, many of these uh, uh, scientists who forged the way for us were Christians and believed the Bible. Christianity is not something, check your brain at the door, come in and just get ooey-gooey faith. God wants us to use our brains that he gave us, these amazing, amazing things, and use our thought processes and our wisdom. And here it says, walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. First of all, I want to help us understand a word real quick in there, fools. Right there, you know, unfortunately... Uh, many of us, if, if I say, hey, don't be a fool, but be wise, we're going to be offended. Hey, hey, don't call me a fool. So in order to not, make, to not let you feel like a fool, that's actually a bad translation. The word actually literally is the same word wise with an A in front of it. And the, and the word wisdom is basically Sophia. And so the word w fool here that we translate fool is A, Sophia, without wisdom, without wisdom without wisdom. So don't be without wisdom, but use wisdom. Be wise. Don't be unwise. Be wise. And we can see, I want to be wise in my life. And the word here says, walk circumspectly. Um, some of these versions say, um, walk perfectly, walk the different things. I want to talk a little bit about this. And, and the word see also in the New King James makes it sound like see then that you walk circumspectly. No, no, no. It actually says, look, look, 
circumspectly, and that's also sadly a bad translation. It's a great word. But it says, look at things, have a point of view that is perfect, that is orderly, that is organized. Don't just live life and look at things haphazard. Take the moment. Be, another way, a good translation of that word is precise. Precise. Okay. How many times have you had a conversation with someone and maybe you're a little emotional and you're excited, happy, you're mad, whatever it is, but you've got this emotion coming up and you just start talking and then afterwards you realize that what I just said wasn't very precise. Let me, let me go back because you said things maybe exaggerated, maybe in your anger, you know, you said everybody hates when you wear that and everybody and you go later and you're like, that wasn't actually very precise. I want to speak to you precisely and use my thoughts. We have to do this in our marriage, uh, in our marriages all the time. Uh, Shannon and I have to slow down the train. I go, every, let's, let's think about this and think, I'm going to try to use precise words here. This is what we're talking about. Let's look at things precisely not just throwing around statistics not just letting everything come in but the bible is encouraging us to use wisdom and in a sense slow down and and be precise ha have you ever been guilty of doing something rash okay well, a few of us have the rest of you guys congratulations i know felicia has done way more rash things than greg I know that. So, um, but, uh, right, we've kind of done these things. We're like, what did we do? And we just kind of did it. We just kind of said it. And the Bible is saying, listen, we want to be precise in our approach to life. We want to be wise in our approach to life. And this is what's awesome is the Bible is not just saying, just love me and don't worry about the details. That's not Christianity. That's not, you know, um, the book of Luke, if you go to the first part of the book of Luke, it's great. And he's writing the book of Luke as a historian. And he says, I have put together an orderly report, O excellent Theophilus. And of all the things that Jesus began to do. And, and not only that, the word in there, orderly, also means that it's chronological. That's why if you read the book of Luke, it, it reads a little different than maybe, say, the book of Mark. The book of Luke is a chronological and orderly report. Why is that important? Because it's important for other people to have these things. Okay, so we want to we wanna live our lives this way. We want to walk, and remember the word here, uh, we've talked about this in the book of uh, Ephesians a lot, parapateo. You're, you're, it's a pair of potatoes, whatever you want to remember, two potatoes walking, okay? But parapateos, parapateo, but it doesn't mean just to walk, it means to everywhere you go. It's not just like I'm taking a walk, it's everywhere you walk, everything you do. In other words, live your life live your life when we see the word walk in in ephesians almost every time it's peripateo which is more like live so we don't want to live foolishly or unwise we want to live wise looking having a point of view that's precise about us about god about our situations about people in their lives um even understanding um God's will for us. And then it says, we need to redeem the time. We need to buy back the time. The word time is not necessarily, um, you know, it's 1030, but it, it also really kind of means more of 
opportunities or, or lengths of time. We need to take the, every opportunity we have and redeem them, buy them back. As we go forward, take opportunities to live wisely, to be precise, and live for Jesus Christ. Now, what we've just come out of in Ephesians is that we're supposed to walk in love. We're supposed to imitate God. We're supposed to not walk in fornication and uncleanness, as it said at the beginning of chapter 5. We're supposed to walk as children of the light in verse 8. We're supposed to bring light to other people. If we go back into 4, all these things are coming to pass. This is how God wants us to live. He wants us to use our spiritual gifts. He doesn't want us to walk in the futility of our minds. And we come up here and says, so now we're going we're gonna, to, everything we do, we're going to have a point of view that's accurate. We're going to be looking around at the situation and we're going to act wisely, not foolishly, redeeming opportunities because the days are evil. You know, I've always in, in, in my life used that verse solely as an evangelistic clause, and I still think there's a big part of that in here. Redeem the time for the days are evil. The days are evil. People are being led astray all the time. There's so much out there drawing people away from the truth of the gospel, drawing people away, and we need to make sure that we're taking the opportunities in, in, in this evil time to lift Jesus up, to be a light, to uh, love one another, to be an imitator of God, to bring truth into the situation. And, and that's going to come through us, as we're going to find out here, it's going it's to come a lot from being filled with the Spirit. We want to take those opportunities and not miss those at work when, when somebody maybe is talking about a sickness and we go you know what i i remember this thing 211 what was 211 oh yeah i'm going to take uh, 2 minutes to share um, what god did for me one on one with this person then we're going to pray for a minute i was taught how to do that i can do that i'm going to redeem this opportunity right now cuz the days are evil I'm going to redeem the opportunity right now instead of losing my cool and being unwise and screaming at my kids. I'm going to redeem the opportunity to love them in Jesus' name. I'm going to redeem the moment driving down the highway instead of yelling at somebody for being a bonehead and cutting me off to pray or to be a better witness. I'm going to redeem these opportunities because I am looking at life differently. Life is but a vapor. Life is but a vapor. I'm looking out at a number of people with their, their heads beginning to change color. Some of your heads changed color a long time ago, and some of you are refusing to let your heads change color. Okay? For those of... Of, of you, and, and, and I could count myself a little bit in here, but those of you who are really older than me, and, and, and maybe you're maybe in your 60s or 70s, and maybe there's even a couple of you here in your 80s, and you look at your body, and you look at your life, and honestly tell me that when you were 25, you knew that you were going to get there. There was something in us that would look at older people and say, that's not going to be me. That just doesn't apply to me. Um, you know, it's, 
and, and what and, and if then you would also go and I can't believe how quickly I got here. Can I hear an amen? amen? Right? How quickly you have gotten here. It was just a couple of years ago that you could fill in the blank, whatever it is that you're now lamenting at, that has become difficult for you because this wonderful thing called age has crept up on you. And I'm going to tell, tell you as I tell myself, we have missed a lot of opportunities. But we still have a lot of opportunities left. Now, for the young people, and I, I still consider myself youngish, you know, I'm only 47, but talking to the youngish people, guys, we have a lot of opportunities left. Let's not miss them. Opportunities to live for Jesus, opportunities to bring light to people, to be wise in our families, even in our financial decisions. With all of these things, I know that if we took some time to have testimonies in here, there would be broken, sad testimonies of parents who, when they were living uh, with their children, maybe didn't do it very well and they would confess this and say I didn't do a great job now I don't have a good relationship with my kids and I know that for some there's that story guys for us that are still raising your kids don't let that be your story redeem it redeem every opportunity you have everything and if that is your story look for the opportunities to redeem it now if you need to go apologize Go apologize. Make it right. Figure out because we have missed opportunities with our families. We have so many missed opportunities for the Lord. But let's not focus. The Bible says, forgetting what is behind, I press on towards the goal. So now, yes, maybe you've got these situations in your life. But I'm saying, okay, can't dwell on that. But what can I do today to make a difference in somebody's life to redeem the time. It goes on here in verse 17, and, and it says again, Therefore don't be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Don't be unwise. Figure out what God wants you to do and do it. This is what's really cool. He's actually saying, listen, that's just wisdom. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Understand what His will is for you and begin to apply yourself to it don't be unwise. Don't be without wisdom. And, 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 but do it now. And you say, yeah, but I've got to work hard and make money. Yeah, but I want to do this. Yeah, I want to do this. No, let's be wise. Let's redeem these opportunities. Say no to ungodliness. Embrace the will of God and move forward in Him. Redeeming the opportunities. Redeeming the time. The days are evil. We're living in a dark time. We're living in a dark time. I heard a, a, a great quote this week, and I, and, and I can't remember if it was John Piper or not, but it was just about reading your Bible. And it said, read your Bible every day, not because you want to, not because you're afraid not to. You know, because he, he went into that a little bit, and a little kind of a teaching and a thing. He says, you know, yes, you know, we don't want you to read it because you're guilty because you don't. He says, you want to read your Bible every day so that the enemy doesn't have as much room to play in your life when you're full of the word of god you can combat the enemy better and more quickly even if you're not enjoying the bible now some people says hey if you're not enjoying the bible don't read it you know i'm sorry there's times i don't enjoy reading the bible it's just not always fun there's sometimes it's wonderful and it speaks to me and there's other times that it's just 
work. But I am going to keep reading it because the words come into my spirit and they strengthen me. And they give me a hope that some might not be in the moment, but it comes because his word is alive and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides between soul and spirit, and it judges the thoughts and the attitudes. And I need that. We need to understand what the will of the Lord is. We need to be, in order to do that, we need to be in the word. We need to be working towards him and with him. And then it goes on. And this is not the focus of this chapter, but it makes a comparison. Don't be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, which means it's, it's excess and it's not going to lead to health, but be filled with the Spirit. And, and, and here's the, there are some co- uh, um, connections in this being drunk and being filled with the Spirit. You know, well, when you are drunk, you're filled with the Spirit. You know, you have, you know, some of these stores, they actually talk about fine wine and spirits. You're just filled with the wrong Spirit. And, and we know that when you get drunk and when you're excess, you're not in your right faculty. You're not in your right understanding. You're not making the best decisions. And so he says, this is kind of a, a way to live. We don't want to do this to where you're just maybe not making the best decisions because of alcohol or anything else. Instead, though, he wants to focus on be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And in here, it's, it's a command as well. And, and it's not just a one-time deal. In this chapter here, in Ephesians, it means be filled with the Holy Spirit and keep being filled with the Holy Spirit. This is an order. Do it. Church, do it. Well, how do we do that? We spend time with the Lord. We spend time in His Word. We spend time in fellowship with people who encourage us in the Lord. We spend way too much time fellowshipping with people who don't encourage us in the Lord. We need to make sure that we're spending time with people that challenge us and encourage us to draw closer with the Lord. I've, I've counseled a couple of times. It hasn't happened a, a lot, but I've had to counsel people a few times. Maybe it was a guy or girls, but it happened both, where they had friends that, that actually were encouraging them to not worry about their marriage. You know, she's just really mean. Don't hang out with her. Maybe you should even think about having a different wife. These type of things. I'm sorry. No, that friend is no friend. If they're drawing you away from your marriage, it's not somebody you should be hanging out with. Well, if you've got people in your life that are dragging you away from the Lord, it's not somebody you should be in close communion with. You want to make sure you're in close relationship with people that are helping you be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what is the goal here. And in fact, when we're filled with the Spirit, verse 19 says, as a result, you'll find yourself speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. It's actually going to be a byproduct. You're going to begin to speak of the things of God. They're going to come off your lips. You're going to be reading the Bible, and it's going to show up in your conversation that day. You're going to be filled with God. You're going to be filled with the Spirit. We're spending time with Him, and those things are going to help us to live wise and to redeem these evil, evil times. Church, I, I, I don't even know what 10 years from now is going to look like. Things are changing so rapidly. You know, a lot of people say that we're living now in a post-Christian era. Christianity used to be the assumption. It's quickly becoming not the assumption. 
People grew up with people in their household, their grandmother, their parents, themselves, they went to church. Not that they, not that they always let it affect them, but they had an understanding of Christ, the church, and, and that is just about gone uh, for this new generation. They're growing up without Christ. Where's it going to be in 10 or 20 years? You will be Christ representatives in this world. It's going to be you. It's going to be me. It's not going to be a building. It's not going to be this place. It's going to be the people who are part of fellowships, who are part of the family of God that make a difference. And, and the Bible says we need to be different. The Bible calls us to come out from among the world and live differently with wisdom. Be circumspect. Pressing into the Lord. Reading our Bibles. Spending time in prayer and fellowship. And, and being connected to a body of, of Christ. I think those are four uh, really important things for the believer. Your, your time in the Word, your time in prayer, your fellowship uh, in your day-to-day life, and then attending um, a Bible-believing, teaching church. And I guess if there's four of those, that's like a grand slam. Right? We want to get all four of them all the way home. We want to be people, and these things are going to help us to live with wisdom. I was really encouraged and challenged at this, at this conference, and, and I love apologetics, um, which is just a fancy word for being able to, uh, to defend and argue um, your faith intelligently, really. Um, because there's a lot of people out there who think they know, and they don't have a clue. But uh, we can come with them with knowledge and love, love and knowledge both. I, t- I had my son, oldest son, Matthew. Um, I made him read Darwin's theory of man. So I'm like, why would you do that? Well, there's actually a, a, a book that has a foreword that's written by Christians, but the, the, the main part of the book is unchanged, and it was Darwin's theory of, of evolution. And I actually had him read that. And here's why. Now, when he's debating with an atheist who believes in evolution, and, uh, and he, he, this is what he can do now. He says, so you believe in evolution. So um, when you read the book, you know, that convinced you that evolution was true, what, what was the strongest point for you? Well, I, I didn't read it. Really? I did. I did. I spent the time to read your book. You mean you're basing your entire eternal security on a book that you've never read? That just doesn't seem real wise to me. But hey, to each his own. And you begin to go, wait a second. Do they even know what they're talking about? No, they think the earth is flat too. I mean, it's the same kind of story. You know, I mean, come on. There's a great, we saw a great uh, a video. It was a Stephen Colbert, I think, interview. And he brought on this scientist I, I mean, a brilliant man who was, was talking. He says, listen, we now believe that we can prove that something can come out of nothing and that actually in nothing there is something. <laughs> and that nothing weighs. It has a weight to it. Nothing, actually you can weigh nothing. And this, this, he was like, look, he's like, wow. And the guy was, you know, he was talking quantum physics. He actually could probably prove what he's talking about. Like, you know, what we think is nothing, there is something. And he says, and so there could be nothing, but then turn into something, and that's what happened in the universe. Okay. And and I know what I was thinking. 
I'm going, exactly. There was nothing except God. And God said, boom. And there was the big bang. And it all happened because that's the way God did it. And so it was really funny. And, and, and he says, so we don't need a God at all. And Stephen Gobert says, so, so God is nothing to you. And he says, yes. He says, well, if God is nothing, maybe he's something. <laughs> ah, you got to be quick, huh? you got to be quick. God put all this together. I, I, I'm sorry. The, the fact that it's just all, very few scientists, it's getting less and less, believe in the nothingness beginning. They, they're having to admit, well, there, there, there was some cause. Something did this. Intelligent design, whatever. And you go, okay, so, you know, well, we believe that was God. And God created us. He gave, he gave us the Bible, which we can talk about that another time and how accurate the Bible is and why, why histori uh, historically we can even do that too. And we, we put our faith and hope in that, that it wasn't just some cosmic designer who went and created all this and says, have fun. You can just draw on your own. He's a personal God and he, and he did amazing things in our creation. And then he brought this whole life thing and he started with with Adam and Eve and he, and he brought us up until we, 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 he proved to us for 4,000 years that we were not good. He proved to us that we needed him and so he sends Jesus to die for our sins to give us a hope and a future and that's what we believe today. And if we believe that, how about your neighbors? How about your children? How about your family? Do they believe it? What are we doing to redeem the opportunities that we have to them to share our faith and to live in such a way that somebody actually says, hey, I see what it's done in your life. I see what God has done for you. I want to do that too. You know, what, what's the old saying? Don't trust a skinny cook. And why do we say that? Man, if they're not eating their own cooking, it can't be very good, right? As a Christian, as you live for the Lord, your life is an, ex is an example of what God can do through with and through a broken person but he's supposed to be bringing us from glory to glory healing to healing and that only happens as we walk circumspectly and walk in wisdom he doesn't do it for us he tells us how to do it and then he expects us to do it being filled with the holy spirit which is awesome because he says listen this is what you're supposed to do but i'm not going to leave you alone i'm going to live inside of you through my spirit to help you do this but you still have to yield you have to do your part we need to submit to our relationship with Him. Walk circumspectly. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we know that You exist. We know that You've done miracles in our own lives. We know that You've done miracles in other people's lives. God, we don't, we don't always know why You don't do miracles sometimes when we ask You to. But we see Your evidence. God, we can look all the way back at creation. And, and it just absolutely be in awe of your glory and through creation. Father, we also believe in this room that we were apart from you, that mankind on his own is absolutely wicked. We can't change. We're incorrigible. And we needed a Savior. And you sent Jesus to this earth some 2,000 years ago to pay the penalty for our sins past, present, and future 
You sent Jesus to live a holy life and to die a sinner's death so that our sins would be forgiven. God, when Jesus ascended, he told us that he was going to the Father, but he would not leave us as orphans. And the Holy Spirit came to indwell us, to walk in us and with us. We thank you that we are not orphans here. Sometimes we feel alone, but we're never alone. God, I pray that with the Spirit inside of us, helping us to deny our flesh and walk away from our old ways and, and be made new, that we will walk with wisdom, circumspectly, live precisely, redeem the opportunities that you give us to walk in your will, to grow, to show your love and grace to other people around us. God, I pray for all of us today that we would be aware, we would be circumspect of each day, of each opportunity, that we would buy back opportunities. We would live faithfully for you and help other people to get to know you as well. We pray for the strength to do this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.